Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to Dan's Miscellaneous Ramblings, episode 332. Today, we're going to be talking about anvils just a little bit. It was kind of wild yesterday, seeing a couple of new faces in the chat, which was pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, today, today we're, we're bringing it back to basics, just reading from a Wikipedia page and giving my thoughts, that sort of stuff. Howdy, everyone. Um, so... Yeah, we're going to talk about some anvils right now. So, an anvil is a metalworking tool consisting of a large block of metal, usually forged or cast steel, with a flattened top surface. And basically, you take another object and you strike or work it. Uh, howdy, y'all. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the live show. So, anvils are as massive as they are practical because the higher their inertia the more efficiently they cause the energy to be transferred to the working piece of whatever you're hitting it with um because they're so massive it just gives a really really good surface for making swords making nails making whatever else you might be metal working uh, before modern welding technology it was like the primary tool of metal workers which is pretty cool they also I just really love the shape of them. The the horn size. Yes, size does matter with anvils. A, a min miniature anvil is not going to be nearly as good. There's a reason that they're as big and heavy as they are. Uh, that's also why you probably don't want tr one dropped on you, but you probably don't want most things dropped on you anyway. So, look at that. Uh, the great majority of modern anvils are made of cast steel that's been heat treated by flame or electric induction. But there are some cheaper ones made of cast iron and low-quality steel, but those are not really considered real anvils because they deform and lack rebound when they're hit. So, there's a couple pieces of the anvil. Consider miniature sword. Yeah, but it'll be weaker, okay? And also, that's called a dagger. Musing by moonlight. Are you... Oh. oh that's wild. Okay. That's a cool name. Alright, anyway. Uh, so, the structure. So, basically... The primary working place is the face. That's the, the top part. Why it's called the face if it's on the top, no one knows. But, you know, I'm sure someone knows. It's basically generally made of hardened steel and should be flat and smooth with rounded edges for most work. Any marks on the face will be transferred to the work. Also, sharp edges tend to cut into the metal being worked and can cause uh, cracks. So that's why they have rounded edges. Um, the face is hardened and tempered to resist the blows of the smith's hammer, so the anvil face doesn't deform. Uh, which is, again, why you have to use that high-quality steel. Uh, a hard anvil face also reduces the amount of force lost in each hammer blow. Hammers, tools, and workpieces of hardened steel should never uh, directly strike the anvil face with full force, as they may damage it. Wow, apparently there's a lot of rules on how to use an anvil. I thought it was just a big block, but, you know, apparently there's, there's things. <laughs> um, the horn of the anvil, that's the little spiky part in the front, that's used, it's a conical projection used to form various round shapes, and it's generally unhardened steel or iron, so a bit weaker on that part. It's mostly used in bending operations. Some people also use this as an aid as in drawing down stock, aka making it longer and thinner. Some anvils, mainly European ones, are made with two horns, one on each side, um, and one is square and one is round. Uh, some anvils are made with side horns or clips for specialized work as well. Um, the step is the area uh, between the horn and the face. So that's like the, so you got like the face and then you have like a smaller block called the step and then you have the horn coming off that. All right, everyone with me so far? Um, I like it when they're dropped on cartoon characters and they go bong. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, 
noise. Um, that's the part of the anvil I was made on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so let's see, where are we? We're right here. So there are, it's per the purpose of the step is it's soft and for cutting its purpose is to prevent damage of the steel face by conducting such operations there as so did not damage the cutting edge of the chisel though many smiths shun this practice as it will damage the anvil over time there have also been other additions such as the upsetting block which is to upset steel which is and generally makes it into long strips and bars since placed between the feet of the anvil um you might might notice uh, on some anvils how basically the base will look like it like one side of it looks like an M that's an upsetting block. Uh, the hardy hole <laughs> that's a good name is a square hole into which specialized forming cutting tools called hardy tools are placed used in punching and bending and the pritchel hole is the small round hole which is also present on most modern ones. Um, some anvils even have most uh, more than one. It's also mostly used for punching, but sometimes tool smiths will fit a second tool to allow this uh, to this hole to allow them more flexibility when using more than one anvil tool. Whew, it's a lot of parts. Yeah, hardy hole. I'm glad you all like the hardy hole. I I also like the hardy hole. Um, frankly, that just sounds like, you know what. I I know some some older folks that listen to this podcast that may think that's a disrespectful joke, but also it's really funny, so I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm pretty sure that a hardy hole is just the blacksmith version of what you might find in a seedy bathroom. Let's just that's all I'll say. I also like the hardy hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we're gonna move on from that. An anvil is placed near the forge. Uh, as near to the forge as is convenient, generally no more than one step away to prevent heat loss in the workpiece. Because, you know, you have to heat the piece before you can hit it on the anvil. Um, anvils need a sturdy base made from an impact and fire-resistant material. Common methods of attaching an anvil are spikes, chains, steel, and or iron straps, clips, bolts, uh, bolts where the holes are provided, and cables. Um... The most common base was traditionally a hardwood log uh, or a large timber buried several feet into the floor of the forge shop. In the industrial era, though, cast iron bases became available. They had the advantage of adding weight to the anvil, making it more stable. Uh, those bases are apparently highly sought after by collectors today. Um, but then concrete became a thing, and there was a trend to make steel reinforced by uh, steel reinforced anvil bases by some smiths, though the practice has been largely abandoned. In more modern times, though, they're placed upon bases fabricated from steel, often in the uh, short, thick section of a large I beam. In addition, they have been uh, bases have been made from dimensional lumber bolted together from, to form a large steel block or steel drums full of oil saturated sand to provide a dampening effect. Uh, in recent times, there's also tripod tripod bases of fabricated steel that have become popular. So there's lots of places that you can put an anvil. Who knew? Um, yeah, this is the part that Forged and Fire doesn't want you to hear. <laughs> uh, let's see. Types. There's lots of types of anvils, apparently. Um, anvils made specifically for all sorts of uh, general smiths to cutlers to chain makers to coopers to coach makers anyone who works with metal might have a specialized anvil um 
blacksmith anvils uh, tend to be rectangular with a hardy and a pritchel, but no horn. Um, and also designs have originated in diver- diverse geogra- uh, geographic locations. Um, so like Bavarian ones are different than French pig ones, different than Austrian, different than the Chinese turtle one. So like there's lots of different ones. Um, one, let's see. An anvil for a power hammer is usually supported on a massive anvil block, sometimes weighing over 800 t- tons for a 12-ton hammer. Again, resting on strong foundation of timber and masonry or concrete. Uh, let's see. Cast iron anvils suck. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So an anvil may have a marking indicating its weight, manufacturer, or place of origin. These American-made ones are marked in pounds, usually, while European ones are marked in kilograms, sometimes. English ones are often marked in the hundredweight, consisting of three numbers, indicating hundredweight, quarter-hundredweight, and pounds. So, example, a 315 anvil, if such one existed, would be 3 times 112 pounds plus 1 times 28 pounds plus 5 pounds equals 369 pounds, or... 168 kilograms, another reason why the Americans are superior to the British. Cheap anvils made from inferior steel or cast iron often sold at uh, hardware retail stores. And they're considered bad for serious use, blah, 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 are often derisively referred to as ASOs, or anvil-shaped objects. (laughs) Wow, there's a lot of shade in the anvil community. Um. Cheap anvils made... Okay, I already read that. Sorry, my brain is out right now. There's also vices that can have small anvils, but we're not talking about that right now. First, they were made of stone, then bronze, and later wrought iron. As steel became more readily available, anvils were faced with it. It was done to give it a hard face and stop the anvil from deforming. Uh, Many regional styles of anvils uh, developed from the simple block that was first used. Uh, the majority of anvils found today in the U.S. are based on the London pattern of anvil because, uh, I don't know, apparently London just had good anvils. The wrought iron steel-faced anvil was produced up until the 20th century, though the 19th and earliest, very early 20th centuries, uh, the method of construction evolved to produce extremely high-quality anvils. The basic process of it involved forge-wielding billets of wrought iron together to produce the desired shape. Uh, The sequence and location of it was different between anvil makers and the type of anvil being made. Cast iron anvils with steel faces were also being made. Um, At the dawn of the 20th century, we finally had uh, solid cast steel anvils and two-piece forged anvils made from closed die forgings. Modern anvils are generally made entirely from steel. There are many references to anvils in ancient Greek and Egyptian writings, including Homer's works. Uh, So, you you can read those up, I guess. Anvils have lost their former commonness, along with the smiths who used to work them. Mechanized production has made cheap and abundant manufactured goods readily available. The one-off handmade products of the blacksmiths are less economically viable, while in the past they were an absolute necessity. Anvils are still used, though, by blacksmiths and metal workers of all kind in producing custom work. They're essential to work done by farriers. Okay, this is the second time I've read farriers, and I don't know what a farrier is. A farrier is a specialized in a specialist in equine hoof care. Oh, they're the people that make the horseshoes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can totally see why you can't mass produce the horseshoe. That makes sense. This <laughs> small anvil. Um, in popular culture, 
Uh, anvil firing is the process practice of putting firing them into the air using gunpowder. It's been popular in California, the eastern United States, and southern United States, and much like how fireworks are used today. That wait, people. Wait, anvil. Hold on, I'm googling anvil firing. Is this a thing, dude? This is all. That's incredibly unsafe. Hold on, um, anvil firing. Oh my god, how to shoot an anvil 100 feet in the air? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> this is such a bad idea. Anvil firing, known also as anvil shooting, is the practice of firing an anvil into the air using gunpowder. I. Uh... In the United Kingdom, the term refers to the method of testing anvils. Black powder is poured on the top and ignited. If it didn't shatter, it was deemed safe to use. But no, that's not the type we're talking about. Oh my god. Typically, two anvils are used. One is the base, and another one, known as the flyer, is the projectile. And then you put, you fill the hardy hole. Oh my god, the hardy hole's back. Guys, the hardy hole's back. Um... Do they know that bong? They don't go bong on heads IRL. I mean, you have to find out, I guess. <laughs> hey, is this anvil any good? Explodes it. But yeah, they fill the hardy hole right with black powder, and then, uh, well, that's an alternative method. Otherwise, they just uh, uh, put the black powder in the middle. A technique for firing a single anvil uses a stone base, um, and whatever doesn't matter modern double base powders have much higher energy energy densities and they'll just explode the anvil um but basically this sends the uh, projectile very far into the air traditionally they're fired on saint clement's day honoring pope clement the first which is celebrated on the 23rd of november so that's coming up so look out for anvils in the sky uh in let's see it's october 24th so about 29 30 days yeah 30 days um the patron saint of blacksmiths and metal workers its practice has lessened in recent years but enthusiasts still participate it on september 5th 2011 the science channel pre premiered flying anvils a ran reality television series about anvil firing Dangers. Individuals may be crushed by falling anvils. The black powder can also prematurely ignite when the anvil is placed on top. As in any case where an explosive is confined on all sides by metal, shrapnel presents a hazard. If a damage or structurally weak anvil is used, it may shatter upon ignition. Wow. Historical uses. A 21 anvil salute replaced the 21 gun salute on Victoria Day in 1860 in new westminster british columbia after the ca town's canon and status of british Colum capital of british columbia were taken away <laughs> and during the american civil war the commander of the iowa home guard militia in davis county iowa had no artillery at his disposal and ordered a local citizen to fire an anvil in the county seat of bloomfield to alert militiamen in the outlying townships to respond to intelligence received in the presence of confederate bushwhackers this was a response to two con suspected confederate guerrillas um at the re at residents in the neighborhood where they demanded money and food and had terrified terrified no terrorized the occupants a mr and mrs gore the private citizen who carried out the order to fire the anvil was seriously injured <laughs> uh, wow 
the okay one other thing one noteworthy celebration is held on the state on the day of the state of texas voting to secede from the union on february 23rd 1861 texas ranger and prominent union supporter thomas lopton campbell jr was held captive and forced to fire the anvils in the streets of austin so don't shoot anvils into the air that's what i'm gonna say that sound sound good yeah um yeah what they expect i don't know man <laughs> i really don't know all right where oh wow i feel like anything else in this episode is just so much less television film um typical metal workers anvil the horn on one end flat at the other is a standard prop for cartoon gags the epitome of a heavy and clumsy object perfect for dropping onto an antagonist the visual metaphor is common for example in warner brothers looney tunes and merry melody shorts as those with wild e coyote and the roadrunner um Anvils and cartoons also reference an episode of Gilmore Girls, where one of the main characters tries to have a conversation about where did all the anvils go, for the reference of their falling out of use on a general scale. Animaniacs also made frequent uh, gags on the top topic, even having a kingdom named Anvilania, whose sole national product is anvils. <laughs> Dwarves were blacksmiths in Chronicles of Narnia, who, who used anvils, obviously. Lots of music uses anvils as percussion instruments, which is actually the uh, inspiration for this episode. Because I love it when songs use pickaxes and anvils and those sorts of just... Uh, I, love, I just I love those, those percussive instruments. They're so good. Um, so there's lots of songs that have used it. The song that was actually the song that has been in my mind all episode last episode we all lift together uses i don't know if it's anvils or pickaxes but uh, they have that sort of thing um the dwarf mining town i forget who it's by but you can it's like the first thing if you look up dwarf mining town song it's like on youtube um that also uses pickaxes and anvils and i just think they're so good but lots of places that you may actually recognize um for example uh, the Matrix and the Terminator both have anvils used as percussion instruments. The Lord of the Rings in Hobbit. Um, the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince has some anvils in it. Uh, Metallica, for whom the bell tolls, as you may expect. Uh, J uh, Jaws, Star Wars Episode, and uh, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, both have them. Like, a lot of places have it. A lot of places I also don't recognize. Even Toy Story 3 had anvils in it. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. If it was in Toy Story 3. But like, even The Mummy Returns had some anvils. Um, Antigone had anvils. Like, they, so many random places just love using anvils. It's They're really cool. Okay. Okay. All right, all right, let's do this. So, apparently, tuned anvils are available as musical instruments, but they're in, not usually, but, like, they exist. Um, they're not to be confused with Sawyer's anvils used to tune big uh, circular saw blades. Steel anvils are used for tuning for use or uh, as musical instruments because those partly based on cast iron give a duller sound, which is actually valued in industry as pure steel anvils are troublesomely noisy, though energetically more efficient. Um, 
Oh, God. There's a chromatic set of tuned anvils on this Wikipedia page, and it just looks like think of like a marimba or xylophone or glockenspiel but it's just got big metal blocks here i'm gonna copy the image and send it to my discord which you can join through the link in the description i'm sending it to the general chat um also support my patreon please i need money all right so you can see those anvils that i sent this is a podcast but you know what it has a visual element because i'm cool it kicked you from the life that's so sad all right Let's see. What other... Are there any other Anvil-related things? It looks like... No. See also Anvil Chorus, Anvil Cloud, Diamond Anvil said, Cell. Okay. Cool. Well, that is about all on Anvils. I'm gonna... I need to make a joke. Are there any good Anvil jokes? Let's look up Anvil jokes. Alright. Anvil jokes. Google machine is going real slow today. 30 plus best anvil jokes from upjoke.com. Excuse me. Um, so, all right. The This one just says, all right. So an anvil walks into a bar. Bartender asks him, would you like a beer? Anvil answers, no thanks. I'm already hammered. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 30 plus best anvil jokes. Did you hear about the time an anvil fell on a Dr. Pepper? He was so depressed. So, so. Guys, so depressed. Um, I'll do one more. I'll do one more. Um, Okay, uh, two, no, I'm not doing one with hunters right now. Um, okay. <clears throat> wow, these are really dumb. These are all incredibly stupid. Okay, whatever. Well, I'll do this. This one looks like it's definitely not going to be a problem. Three friends decide to visit the African savannah and make a tour by, all by themselves. Let's call them Jack, Mark, and Clark. <clears throat> to make it more thrilling and exciting, they decide to make it a tour by foot. So they choose the route and dates, and they met at the airport when the day had come. When they arrived at the place where they'd be spending the first night, each of them secretly went shopping before going to sleep. Next morning, they all met uh, at the meeting and starting point. They all noticed, them, though, that everyone was carrying something unusual. So Jack and Mark asked Clark, why are you carrying a phone booth with you? And he just replied with, I knew you'd notice. Yeah, this is for say, let's say a lion comes at us, you know? I'll just lock myself inside it and be safe. They thought it was clever. So Clark asked Mark, why do you have that large telephone pole under your arm? Ah, my friends, he answered. I also thought about taking something in case a wild animal tries to attack us. So with this pole, I just sink it deep into the sand and then I climb to the top of it so the animal cannot reach me. Jack and Clark nodded in agreement. And then uh, Jack, uh, Mark and Clark noticed the item that Jack was bringing with him and asked him, hey, didn't you thought, think about this possible issue? Sure did, answered Jack. And why are you taking this huge and heavy anvil? How can it possibly make it so you're safe from a predator? Well, uh, replied Jack, it's very easy. If we see a lion running towards us and he looks like he wants to eat us, Clark will close himself in the booth, Mark will nail and climb the pole, and I'll drop an anvil and run so much faster. Wow, this is really stupid. Wow, that is 
That's incredibly dumb. That wasn't worth it at all. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm just going to, because he drops the anvil and then he'll be able to run super fast from the lion. It's, it doesn't make much sense. It's not. <laughs> I think it's time for the song that's been in my, it's not really a joke. No, uh, I think it's time for the song that's been in my mind all episode. It is just a statement. Yeah. Anyway, the song's been in my mind all episode today is probably Money Game Part 2, which, uh, if you've heard the song where it's like the seashells, she sells seashells, oh my god, I can't even sing it. She sells seashells by the seashore, but the value of these shells will fall because of the laws of supply and demand. It's that song. Uh, you probably have heard it. Um, anyway, before I wrap this episode up, I did want to do a poll in my Discord. You've never heard it? I, well, you should listen to Money Game Part 2. It's really good. Um, but that's beside the point. I did want to do a little poll. I'm just mentioning this. I have a poll going in my Discord right now in the podcast alerts uh, uh, menu? No, channel. That's what it's called. We're asking if you guys would actually join a podcast Minecraft server if I made it and if, uh, if I made it for Java or Bedrock. Currently leading is Java. I still might end up making it in Bedrock anyway if enough people do want it because anyone who has Java Edition can play Bedrock Edition. Uh, by just going to Minecraft for Windows on your PC, but uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to put that out there that that is a thing you can vote for, and I'll be announcing it if I actually do make the Minecraft server. Um, if you play on Switch, you play on Bedrock Edition. Uh, so just mark because there's a little thing I play on Java Edition, I play on Bedrock Edition. You just mark the one for Bedrock Edition. Anyway. Uh, with that being said, go on and vote. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will catch you all next time. Goodbye!